0: Welcome to our class this day and come follow me Old Testament. I'm your instructor Dr. D. Todd Harrison as we study the words of Jesus Christ as taught in the Holy Scriptures. This week we're looking at Genesis chapters 28 through 33 as we continue to see how God worked with his ancient prophets, ancient saints upon the earth and of that same Jesus Christ I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He sits at the right hand of our Heavenly Father, in splendor and glory and majesty, let all the angels stand around his throne, singing hallelujah, and worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Let's look today now at uh, Genesis, and we're looking at uh, Genesis chapter 28, and we'll look at verse 1 through 4. We're going to get the information here today about Jacob and Esau, in twenty-eight, one through four, and Isaac called Jacob. Now remember, <laughs> Isaac means laughter. So laughter called the deceiver. Yeah. Jacob means deceiver, and so he was to his brother Esau, the deceiver. The uh, you know, uh, and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padam Aram, to the house of Bethuel, to the house of your God, we'll translate here, to the house of your God, uh, thy, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from fence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And El Elyon will bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people, and give thee a blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee. That they mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, not where you're going, but here where you grew up. You're we're, We are strangers in this land. We came out of Ur of the Chaldees. Uh, here we're in this land of Canaan. Uh, this is the land God has promised to you, just as he's promised to me, Isaac, and to our father, Abraham. Which God gave unto Abraham here in the end of verse 4. Okay, great. So, Take not unto you the daughters of Canaan. Why? Not because they're racist, right? But because the Canaanites are worshiping false gods or they're worshiping, in a lot of cases, God, El. But not in the right uh, form, uh, not in the right uh, doctrinal and the right theology and the right uh, moral ethics of of the kingdom of El, of God's uh, kingdom on the earth. And so it is today. Even if you're, you know, if you're a Christian, and but you, you know, there's over, there's thousands of Christian denominations all teaching different uh, doctrines. They may claim to worship the same uh, Jesus Christ, the same God, but they're teaching different uh, and uh, complete opposite types of uh, doctrines. So he's saying. To his, uh, his son here, I want you to marry someone among the church that worships the true God of the Bible, the true Jesus Christ of the Bible, and that teaches the true doctrines of the Bible. Do not marry anyone else, even if they seem to worship Jesus Christ or pretend or to declare that they worship Jesus Christ. If it's not the Jesus Christ of the Bible, don't marry among those people. And so he sends him back off. To his uh, to his relatives, who at least had been trained and raised up and grew up in the true doctrine. We now see that Laban, uh, the, the father, is uh, you know uh, worshiping now false gods. He's turned his, turned away from the Lord, but he was raised in the right principles of the gospel. Hopefully, he's he taught his children and daughters uh, the true doctrines. Uh, you know when they were growing up. Before he turned to his idolatry and worshiping the false gods. Okay, so he is going to go off there and we'll look at six through nine. Now, when Esau saw that laughter had blessed the deceiver and sent him away to Padam Aram to take him a wife from Sance, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Now the problem is what? He's already gotten. Two wives from the daughters of of Canaan, right so now he's seen he wants to please his father right he's trying so hard to please his father, even though his father has now blessed Jacob and given the you know the blessing to Jacob you know he still wants to find favor with uh with Esau I mean Esau wants to find favor with his father Isaac here, okay, and so he says here. And in verse 7, in that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Hadanar. And Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac, his father. Then went Esau unto Ishmael. Now, Ishmael had died 14 years previously. So he's just talking about he went to the family of Ishmael, not actually to Ishmael as he'd been dead for 14 years at this point. And took unto the wife which he had Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son. The sister at Nebah to be his wife. So thinking, well, i marrying around. Ar- maybe if I stay here close to my father instead of going off two weeks' journey, you know, maybe I could still win his favor and still win, uh, win over the blessing and uh, maybe get my birthright back if Jacob is, uh, he, you know, the tarry's too long in the foreign place, you know, and uh, let me marry among the children of uh, Abraham. These are our other cousins. He's telling Jacob to go marry his cousins there in, in Haran and, uh, you know, uh, maybe I'll marry my cousin here, the uh, of Abraham. So then, when Is- Esau unto Ishmael and took him to the wives which he had, Mahalath, and the uh, in verse ten, and Jacob went out from uh, Beersheba, the well of seven, and went toward Haran. Let's look at eleven through twenty-two, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set, and he took of the stones plural. Uh, according to Jewish tradition, he had four stones, and he came together and sealed them to uh, one stone. Uh, it was uh, the fifth miracle that happened in Jacob's life on, on this particular day, according to ancient Jewish uh, legends and traditions and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, he sees this gate, this star gate open up, right, this gate leading between heaven and the earth, and that God is standing at the top of it and directing the affairs of the world and directing his angels coming back and forth. In verse, uh, it says, in 12, and he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am Yahweh, God of Abraham, Yahweh El of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land wherein thou liest, to thee I will give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We've learned in previous weeks how God has already promised this to Abraham, right? So because of Abraham's faithfulness, this blessing went to Isaac. Because Abraham was faithful, this now blessing has gone now to Jacob and down to his son and his son and his son and so forth. Through the blessing of the first father, they inherit and participate in the blessing of God. Because of their righteousness, they were able to be blessed and bless their posterity through their righteousness. Okay, and he says in verse 15, Behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all the places where you're going. I will be with you in Haran, and bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And so it is with God, you know, that God will not leave us until he fulfills those blessings he has promised you in your life. Whether these are promises through patriarchal blessings, through other priesthood blessings, through personal revelation, He will not leave you until he fulfills that blessing in your life. You just need to exercise faith in him, trust in him, him, and lay claim upon that blessing. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. You know, he's out in the middle of the wilderness. He didn't realize that God goes with you, that if you live faithful, you can have the Holy Ghost as your constant companion, you can have the presence of the Lord with you through his spirit, no matter where you travel on the earth. He's not just stuck in certain places. He will go with you anywhere you go. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? There is none other but the, but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven, the star gate, right? And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar, and poured oil upon the top of it. Now, uh, other, uh, uh, you know, the Greeks, and other heathen nations, you know, would worship stones as gods, right? So, here he has this kind of tradition here. Now, you're not worshiping it as the other nations do, but according to the Jewish uh, traditions, then the Phoenicians start to worship this very stone as a god. Uh, This stone then becomes the stone that's worshipped, uh, you know, on behalf of Jupiter and and Zeus and and other Greek uh, uh, gods later on, uh, you know, all from this stone of Jacob that he pours oil upon here. And he calls the name of 19 of the place Bethel, which means house of God. But the name of that city was first called Luz at the first, right? But now he named it Bethel, the house of God, for he saw God. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God will be with me. You know, <laughs> these Old Testament prophets, they don't understand it yet. We, we've seen they have lots of faults, lots of moral failings, right? We don't worship God if he will do such and such and such, right? Uh, X, Y, or Z. We worship God because he is God. And we plead with him and we pray that he will bless us. But we don't worship him, you know, on condition if he will do such and such in our lives that then we will worship him. And so here, you know, we've seen this previously in the Old Testament. So as in Jacob out of Al, saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread, let him to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. (laughs) Doesn't work that way, right? And this stone, which I've set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou give me, I will surely give thee the tenth unto thee. No, you pay your tenth, you pay your tithing now, and maybe God will bless you. But you're not not giving your tenth so that God will bless you, or you're not giving your tenth. I will give it. If he will bless me, then I will give it. That's not how it works. That's not how you worship the Lord. This is moral failings here. The Bible is trying to teach you that they make mistakes, that they are human, that they have moral failings. but But yet God can be with them and he can bring to pass his all things that God desires for this earth through people that are the weak people of the earth that have moral failings that are not perfect. He can work through them to bring about the immortality and eternal life of man. Okay, chapter 29, uh, Jacob's going to meet Rachel here at the well, and uh, verse 9, 9 through 13. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. Now, she's the younger sister, right? Now, some have suggested that the reason that she's taking care of the sheep is because, first of all, the brothers are younger, younger than the two daughters. Leah, we get this thing about her tender eyes that maybe she had a hard time, you know, with the sun, you know, and, and, and so forth. So she couldn't go out in the bright sun. And uh, so Rachel has to uh, do this job, but it, it would have probably been with, uh, with uh, Leah. Uh, others think that the tender eyes... uh has something to be with, it, meaning that her eyes were beautiful. That was the only part of Leah that was that was beautiful was her eyes. She had beautiful eyes, but the rest of her was not. Where Rachel was full, uh, you know, in, in the seventeen. But Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. That she was beautiful in all ways. Okay, so and he says here. In verse 10, and it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, said Jacob, went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the rock, uh, a flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Whoa, right? Catch that? Did anyone catch that? What happened in the prior verses? They kept talking about how it takes multiple men to move this uh, you know, that move the stone that's, that's blocking the well, you know, that's blocking the well, right? It takes multiple men, but this strong guy, as soon as he sees Rachel, he's so strong, he's able to by himself move this stone. He's really trying to impress Rachel here that he's, you know, the Superman. He's got all this great strength here. And 11 and Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. And watch Laban, isn't this great? There's Old Testament. You know, I, I hope we're pointing out some of this great humor in the Old Testament. You know, it's the funniest book you know, of Scripture, right? If You got to understand it. Once you understand it, you can see all this humor. So watch this, right? She End of 12, she run, runs and tells her father Laban what happens here in 13. And it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told Laban all these things. Why did he do that? What happened earlier in the Old Testament when Abraham's servant went out to Haran to find a, a, a wife, which becomes the, which was the sister of Laban, right? What does he do? He keeps giving him gold and, you know, and the silver, and all, all these kinds of things, right? So here Laban hears that here's Jacob, Now he runs out right away, kisses and embraces him, because he's hoping for, where are these gold bracelets, and these gold earrings, and all these things, just as Abraham's servant brought, I'm expecting the same thing from you. So he, he ran out, he kissed him, he embraced him. This is humor here, right? And 15, and Laban said unto Jacob, because thou art my brother, should you serve me for nothing? Tell me what shall thy wages be? He'd been serving him for a month, right? Before he even, it took advantage of him for a whole month before he even asked him, what shall your wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of one was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, it's better that I give her to thee then that I should give her to another man because the custom of the time was the preferable marriage is to your cousin, right? So it would be preferable for her to marry you, her cousin, than any other man in the city here. So I should do that anyways. But, you know, sure enough, I'll let you work for me and slave be my slave for seven years. Let's see. And then we're going to look at uh, Jacob served seven years. For Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days, for the love he had to her. He loved her so much, these seven years went by so quick. So he says in 21, he can't wait, right? As soon as the seven years are up, and Jacob says unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. <laughs> Can you imagine some some kid coming up and saying that to you about your about your daughter right it was just really you know and the, and the thought, it was really interesting right so anyways uh, we we'll, we'll leave the hebrew aside here but uh, uh so you know <laughs> I, so it's give me my wife i can't wait anymore i want to have sex with her right i mean that's what he's saying here right there's a lust here it's not you know is this true love you know talking about oh, he loved her so much, right? It sounds like more like lust, right? The, the, you know, the years and the going by so quick, and he's just lusting, lusting. As soon as the seven years are up, give me your daughter. I want to have sex with her. And so now here we go with Laban here, right? This is the great story we all know. In 22, and Laban gathers together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah's daughter and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. Uh-oh. Wait a minute here, right? He just worked seven years for uh, for Rachel. You know, uh, how do we get Leia going on here? Now, so he has this feast, right? He has a, you know, he has a wedding party for for Rebe- for for Rachel, right? For Rachel. So it's hard to know, you know, was Rachel involved in this thing? You know, did she know? You know, uh, you know, you know, and and Leia here certainly knew. That he had just married Rebecca. I mean Rachel. I keep wanting to say Rebecca. They both start with the letter R. But Rachel, you know, and that this is adultery, right? This is adultery. You know, he's married to uh, Rachel, and so suddenly Leah here is going to commit adultery with uh, with uh, with uh, Jacob here. And what's the problem here in verse 23? I'll read it again. And it came to pass in the evening. That he, not she, not the mother, right? This is, you know, in the ancient uh, Oriental uh, culture, in the the ancient Middle East, right? It was the mother that would bring the daughter unto the bridegroom. The bridegroom indeed would be in a dark, uh, you know, dark room, but it would be the mother of the bride that would bring her in. So what happens here is not the mother, right? It's him. It's Laban. Laban's bringing Leah. So. Often it is with temptations, you know, to sin in our lives where we're in a situation and we feel that things are not quite right. You need to leave and get out of that location, get out of that, you know, situation, right? That's what Jacob should have done here when Laban shows up with the daughter, but he's so full of lust here. That he can't. He can't control his uh, physical passions, his physical emotions, and he's so excited to have sex with her that he misses the big warning sign that should be blasting off. That why is Laban here uh, with his daughter instead of her mother with the daughter? He misses that because of his addiction, his uh, lustful feelings of trying to wanting to have sex here. That he can't get out and rise up out of bed and and go maybe into the light, you know, or. Get a candle, light a candle, do something to talk to Laban, find out why are you here? You know, what's going on here, right? The, you know, and so it is in, in our lives. When we're in situations, things don't feel quite right. Turn on the light of Christ. Go unto the light, the light, you know, representative Jesus Christ, to find out what's really going on in that situation and to avoid the temptations and the trials of life when, when they come into your life. Big warning signs should have been blasting in his ears at this point of time so he ends up consuming you know his lust here he has sex with this woman now it was in their culture also that the that the woman that night not supposed to say anything so he probably didn't hear her voice she probably didn't make any sound it was uh, it was part of their being chased and uh, and and so forth to not to make any sounds or anything that first Uh, the night of their wedding so he probably didn't hear a voice that sounded different than than Rachel's he he, he, uh, he, who knows he should still probably see her to a degree it's hard to imagine it's so pitch dark you can't see her but you can have sex with her you know it's very interesting here but I think again is his lust is so great here that he's so excited to have sex that he's just missing he's missing this all of what's going on here that this is a different woman that, uh, you know, that the her father brought her in instead of the mother. Uh, there's uh, something wrong going on. Okay, so he, in uh, 25, and it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve th- with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, it must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Our culture is the firstborn should get married first. Just be with her for one week, and then I'll give you also Rachel if you'll serve me another seven years. Now, he's going to serve fourteen years for the both of them. At least he lets them get married together. You know, wow, <laughs> that's a major problem, right? Uh, now this is before Leviticus eighteen, Leviticus eighteen, eighteen, I believe, and uh, uh, you know that uh, you, you you can't uh, have sex with the uh, you know with the. Uh, uh, with your wife and her sister, right? So you know, haven't received the the, the law of Moses yet. This will be a problem later on, but but for now, I guess technically, right? But the issue here is he's committed adultery now with with Leah. He was married to Rachel, and and Leah and uh, and, and Jacob here have adultery. Whether he really knew it or didn't, she knew it. Leah knew it. She's guilty of adultery here. No question about that. Okay, and he says, uh, and in 29, and Laban gives to Rachel his daughter Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid. According to the ancient Jews, Bilhah is another daughter of Laban uh, through a concubine wife. So she becomes the handmaid of Rachel, but they're really, you know, half sisters uh, from the same father. Later on, we'll have Laban make a comment about marrying about Jacob not marrying anyone other than his daughters, right? So it very well could be that Zilpah is also uh, a daughter of uh, Laban through a concubine. Uh, We just never really told that um, in in any of our historical sources, except for a hint at it here coming up in Genesis. Okay, and he went in unto uh, Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah. Again, l- either lust or love at this point. May, like, make you have you make your own decisions about it. it. Served him yet seven other years, and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, <laughs> he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So she's gone through some kind of repentance process here. She's suffered the consequences of her sin. God then, because she has a you know a repentant heart, opens her womb and and bless her to have a child. Right? And Leah conceives and bears a son and called his name Reuben, for she said, the Lord has seen this, the Lord has looked upon my affliction, and therefore my husband will love me. And they get into these baby this, these baby wars here. Right? And she keeps conceived again and bears son and said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon, which means basically in this context, that the Lord has heard. And she conceived again and bears a son and said, now this time will my husband be joined unto me. Therefore, I'll name him Levi, which means joined. Right? And she conceives again in 35 and bears a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. So I'll name him Judah, which means
1: praise. Now he's
0: going to be the ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. So interesting that Jesus is born through this first wife, that was the uh, the deceiver uh, wife, rather than the Rachel, which was the you know legitimate wife at you know at this point. Okay, let's move to thirty here. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob. Give me children, or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, "Am I God? Am I God? You know that if I that, and have I, I withheld fruit from thy womb." And she said, "Behold, my maid, my half sister Bilha, go in unto her, and she may bear upon my knees. I'll stand stand behind her, have my legs around her legs, as she gives. Therefore, symbolic that is my children. I'll have children by her." And she gave him Bilha. Her handmaid the wife, and Jacob went in unto her, and she conceived and bears Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God had judged me and also had heard my voice, so I'll name him Dan, which means judge. And Bilhah, Rachel's maid, conceived again and bare Jacob a second son. And Rachel said, with great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister. So I'll name him and <laughs> Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had left the bearing, she took Zilpah, probably her half-sister, her maid and gave her Jacob to wife. And so they're a nice family, <laughs> nice family here, right? Different to our modern day cultures. And, you know, but there's some cultures here listening to probably to this video here that, you know, you probably still marry your cousins and so forth. And so we don't mean to me to make light of it just because sometimes we may live in cultures where some practices are a little bit out of the ordinary than what we're you know, than what we're used to, but, you know, if it's in a culture where you marry your cousin and that's legal and and so forth, and that's the preferred marriage, we don't mean to make light of that, you you know, go ahead, do that, marry your cousin. But again, if you're going to marry your cousin, do it the way that they're teaching here in the Bible. Make sure that your cousin is one who truly worships the Lord, is a, you know, member of God's church and, you know, believes the true doctrine and true theology of, of God. Okay, and so then now Leah gives uh, Zilpah, and they have a couple more kids for Zilpah. And Leah says, happy am I, in 13, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she named, and she called his name Asher, which means happy or blessed. And uh, so now they have this issue here with the mandrakes, and Reuben goes and finds these mandrakes. Uh, ancient Jewish uh, legends talk about them being apples, and it gives apples, and then uh, Uh, Rachel wants some of these apples and says, look, I'll let you sleep with my husband, uh, you know, which is also technically your husband. But, uh, you know, I'll let you sleep with with him if you give me some of these apples. And so then Jacob goes out into the field and meets him and says, you know, I bought you. Like like he's a male prostitute or something. I I bought you so you have to uh, have sex with me tonight because I bought you with with Reuben's apples. (laughs) Very romantic, right? And uh, God hearkens unto Leah, and she conceived, and bare Jacob a fifth son. And Leah said, God hath given me my hire, because I have given my handmaid to my husband. And she called his name Issachar, the recompense. And Leah conceives again, and bare Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God hath endued me with a great dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me, because I have borne him six sons. She called his name Zebulon. Uh, uh, means something uh, having to do with being exalted. She's now exalted over her sister because she's had six sons. She has not had any, but she has had a couple through her handmaid, uh, Bilha. Okay, and so in 22, and God finally remembers Rachel. The promise was uh, at some point to Rachel, probably through personal revelation, some other way that she would one day have a child, just like Sarah and so forth. And God's fulfilling that promise here. And God hearkened to her and opened her womb and she conceived and said, bear a son and said, God, take away my reproach. Now look at her faith now as it's developed through all the trials of over multiple years. And she calls his name Joseph, you know, that, uh, you know, it would, would mean that God has, you know, God will add, right. God will uh, add, uh, you know, uh, so meaning that she's now already looking forward to the second son. It took many years to have the first one. She saw that God fulfilled the blessing in her life. God will still prom- bless her with a second uh, son yet to be, which will be called Benjamin. Okay, so then uh, after this, now they have the, the deal where he has nothing to, you know, he wants to take his two, uh, he's fulfilled his 14 years. He wants to take both wives back uh, to Canaan. And uh, Laban kind of points out, well, you have no money, you have have nothing here. So I'll work six more years uh, for some animals that we could use as currency and and so forth. So uh, six years. And then the issue becomes, as we move into into chapter 31, that now the servants of Laban are accusing uh, uh, Jacob that maybe he's been cheating and uh, taking more animals than what should really be because they made a deal over whether they have spots and so forth as to who gets to keep them. And so we now move to 31, verse 11 through 19. It says, And the angel of God spake unto me in a dream Jacob, saying, Jacob, deceiver! And I said, Here am I. And how <laughs> God did appear to you, in a, you know, in a dream and say, You know, deceiver! But that, that's his name, Jacob, deceiver. And, here, and he said, here am I. And he said, lift up now thine eyes and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle and so forth. And uh, and I have seen all that Laban uh, has done to you. He's treated you unfairly. He's changed your wages multiple times. He cheated you with the first daughter. You know, with, and now you had to be married to Leah and to uh, Rachel 13. I am the God of Bethel, right? The, how, the God of the house of God. Where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest the vow unto me, now rise, get thee out from this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. And Rachel may Leah answered and said to him, Is there yet any portion inheritance for us in our father's house? You know, <laughs> are we going to get anything at all from, from our father, uh, Laban, who keeps uh, cheating our own husband? Are we not counted of him strangers? For he has sold us, and hath quite devoured also our money, right? They feel like they've been. Uh, it's both of them saying that, right? Rachel and later, feel like years later, fourteen years later, you know, well, seven years after the first seven. So seven years later, that, no, well, no, not in six years, right? It's been, uh, it's been uh, thirteen years, and they feel like they've been sold. There's right? <laughs> there true love going on in this, uh, in this family here between Jacob and these two, right? Are we not? You know, he says he's sold us and have quite devoured us also our money. For all the riches which God had taken from her father, that is ours and our children's. Now then whatsoever God has said unto thee, do. Then Jacob rose up and set his sons and his wives upon camels. And he carried away his his cattle and all his goods which he had gotten. They're going to just sneak out of here while Laban's, uh, you know, off some uh, place else, right? And in uh, 19, and Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images which were her father's. So, the issue in the ancient uh, commentators is to whether Rachel is an idolater and and she's worshiping these idols as, as her gods, or maybe these were uh, valuable gold, uh, you know, the pieces or so forth, that maybe she thinks by taking them that, that uh, you know, that she can at least get something from her father, as they mentioned earlier, uh, here about getting something from their father. Or, uh, you know, or maybe she's just mad at her dad and wanting to steal his, his gods here. But nevertheless, she steals these. Wademan finds out. He goes running after him with, with his servants. And they finally overtake him. And he starts looking everywhere in all the tents, the Leia's tent and the handmaid's tents, and they can't find it. Rachel hid it in this uh, camel uh, uh, chest here and then sits on it and says, well, it's her, uh, Uh, time of uh, the uh, the monthly woman uh, issue, and so because of that, she can't stand up, and so Laban moves on. Jacob then confronts him and says, hey, you know, you accused us of stealing from you, but you can't produce anything. And um, and then here in, uh, let's see, says in 42, and accept the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac, had been with me surely thou had sent me away now empty and god has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked thee yesternight he appeared to laban and told him you know don't basically don't hurt or harm or say anything negative to uh, jacob and laban, and laban answered and said unto jacob these daughters are my daughters so again one of the hints that maybe zilpah is also one of his daughters these daughters are my daughters and these children are my children these cattle are my cattle, even though you worked six years for them, right? And these cattle are, and, and all that thou seest is mine. And what can I do this day unto these my daughters? Once again, right? Hinting about that Zilpah and Bilhah are his daughters, or unto their children which they have born. Now, therefore, come now, let us make a covenant. So they take a stone for a pillar, and they make this covenant that they won't to cross over to hurt each other. And 50, if thou shalt afflict my daughters, or if thou take other wives besides my daughters. Again, hinting that Bilhah and Zilpah are his daughters. Uh, no man is with us. See, God is witness between me and thee. And Laban said to Jacob, behold this heap, behold this pillar which I have between me and thee. This heap be witness, and this pillar be witness, that I will not pass over this heap to thee, and that thou shalt not pass over this heap and this pillar uh, unto me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their father, judge between us. And Jacob swear by the fear of his father Isaac. Let's read the Hebrew, right? And the deceiver swear by the fear of his father Isaac. Would you believe that the, the deceiver, right? Then Jacob offered sacrifice upon the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. And they did eat bread and tarried all night in the mount. They would, uh, when they make covenants with each other, it would always conclude with a meal and so therefore they're that's why they're eating this meal and early in the morning laban rose up and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them and laban departed and returned unto his place okay now we get to 32 and we got a great one coming up here where god's where jacob's gonna wrestle with with uh, god and we'll look at 32 one through two and he first sees the angels he gets this uh uh, angelophany here uh where you see angels and jacob went on his way and the angels of god met him and when jacob saw them he said this is god's host and he called the name of that place Mahanaim. and uh let's move on to 9 through 13 and we're going to get a good prayer here this is one of the nice prayers uh, in the bible here's this repentant jacob after uh, Many years of uh, you know of um, you know having robbed his brother Esau and so forth. And Jacob said, Oh God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will dwell with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth. He realized at this point in time he's done a lot of bad things in his life. And and Uh, which thou hast shown unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. He he didn't fear him when he was still in his birthright and his blessing. For I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidst, I will surely do thee good. you Lord, Lord, you promised me you would do me good, and you make my seed as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for multitude. And he lodged there that same night and took of that, which came to his hand a present for Esau's brothers. Got to go meet Esau's word. Esau's going to kill him. He's praying to God for deliverance, acknowledging, you know, that, uh, you know, he's done a lot of bad things in his life, but that God has promised him he would protect him. And his, his seat would be as the sand, uh, you know, of the, the seashore. So he sends camels and, uh, and animals uh, to to Esau here, and now we get the next thing. He sends his servants over, and now he's going to have this great uh, event here in uh, uh, verse twenty-two, where he's going to wrestle with with Jesus Christ. Uh, we've seen Jesus do this before. We don't know how or 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 you know how he was able to do it, but with Abraham, Jesus came and appeared, even though he's a, a spirit. Right at this point of time, he is not yet. Uh, been born as a baby in Bethlehem, and, but yet at times he seems to be able to take upon him a, a, a physical body of uh, flesh and bones. So he, he did that with Abraham, took a body of flesh and bones. Here he also takes a, temporarily a body of flesh and bones and actually wrestles with Jacob here. And he says, And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two woman servants and his 11 sons and passed over to ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. He wants to pray and, and, and you know, wants to do further praying and soul searching and meditating on the things of God. He doesn't know whether he's going to die the next day by the hand of his brother Esau. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Later, we're going to see that is God, that's Jesus Christ here, having assumed uh, uh, some sort of physical body for this event. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. So he's having a hard time wrestling Jacob maybe because, you know, he's only used the physical body a couple of times, doesn't know too much about a physical body. So maybe have him at uh, some point in here. Uh, so he touches the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, just like that, touches it, gets out of joint. So again, showing that that uh, even they've been wrestling all night long, Uh, you know, that he is God, he's more powerful than than, than Jacob, you know, he needs to submit to uh, Jacob, and uh, he wrestled with him, and he said, let me go, for the day breaketh, you know, I don't want you to see me clearly in the the sun, Um, you know, maybe that my glory will consume you, you know, and he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me, now, how often have we been like that, you know, in, in our own lives, right? Have you ever wrestled with God all night long, you know, for praying for the promised blessings that he has been, uh, promised you, you know, then you pray with fervency and, and uh, you know, to that you're going to demand that God fulfill that br- blessing then that promise in your life. Well, that's what Jacob's doing. I will not let you go here, God, until you bless me. He says, and he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. So we start to get some uh, a temple ritual here. And he, says, uh, and he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall call no more Jacob. Every time God makes covenant with people, he changes their name. We're going to see that throughout the Old Testament. We've already seen it previously. We'll see it in more detail later on. And you be no more. So, and, and so it is with our lives, right? We may be a deceiver at this time. Jacob means deceiver. We may be a deceiver in our lives. We may have committed, we may have stolen things and robbed our brothers as Jacob did and, and so forth. So he says, you will no longer be called a deceiver, right? But a prince who has prevailed with God shall your name be. Your name will be Israel. This it's powerful, this powerful stuff here, right? You'll no, you are no longer the deceiver. You need to forget who you were in your, in, in your life up until this point. You have been born again. You have uh, made covenant now with I with I God. I'm giving you a new name. You have prevailed as a prince with God. I will make you a prince. You'll know you're no longer a deceiver. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with man and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me I pray thee thy name. And he said, I cannot, right? Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called him. Now, he doesn't tell him his, you know, his name at this point of time, but we are told in the New Testament and another uh, ancient uh, Christian gospels that the father has a name that, we're not, that had never been revealed to us. He has given that name to the son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has that name. Jesus Christ gives that name from time to time to some of his faithful service. Jacob hasn't earned that yet. He's earning some of the blessings. Blessings come blessing upon blessing. At some point, he may receive the name, the Jesus Christ name, which is the name of the Father, but not at this time. At this time, he's just receiving a new name for himself first here. And he says, why do you ask after my name anyways? And he blessed him there, and Jacob called the name of the place, the face of God, Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. So he's now limping on his leg. He's like Paul now. He has the thorn in the flesh. We don't know if it lasted throughout his life or for, for how long this uh, – this lasted, but he's got this thorn in the flesh like Paul. Lasted, as Paul said, he would be caught up in the pride of, for, the, for the revelations that he had received. Here, Jacob had this unusual experience that most people will never have, at uh, which he actually wrestled with Jesus Christ. Before Jesus Christ even had a body of flesh and bones, it's one thing to see Jesus Christ with a body of flesh, with his resurrected body of flesh and bones, but how many wrestled him and how many wrestled him before he even officially took upon that body of flesh and bones, you know, as a a baby in Bethlehem with the permanent body of flesh and bones. It was some sort of temporary body of flesh and bones that he was able to physically wrestle with Jacob. So it's a very unusual event that only, you know, happened as far as we know this one time. Uh, and uh, so lest he be caught up in the pride of having had that revelation, God gave him a weakness. He gave him this bad thigh so that he, he would not be caught up in the pride of his heart for having received such a marvelous revelation of having seen God face to face, as he said here, and not only having seen God face to face, but having wrestled with God and having prevailed, as he keeps saying here, right? If he hadn't done that to his thigh, I guess he would have won the wrestling match, right? It's pretty. Impressive, but we saw it as a strong guy because he was able to move the stone off the well all by himself, where it kept taking a multiple of men uh, to, to do it. So we know he had great strength. And uh, so then they have, and the, we got this uh, peniel and penuel. It's the same thing. Remember in ancient Hebrew, there are no vowels, so it's just the consonants. So here's a scribe here that doesn't know which is the true way to say it so he's he's just doing it two different spellings just in case to cover his his bases here right but it would have been the p-n-l so in the one case he puts p-e-n-i-e-l and then p-e-n-u-e-l but p-n-l with the consonants he only had access to he tried to supply the vowels he didn't know which way to go so he puts both of them so again kind of a funny thing there and so therefore, this is where this Jewish tradition came about, that the children of Israel eat not of the sinew, but shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, until this day, this day that this is being written, probably around 500 or so B.C., because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. Okay, so now we can move to 33, and what a great thing here in verse 1 through 4. So here it is, and with many of us in, in our lives, you know as we commit sin as we rebel against god as we are not as faithful throughout our lives keeping the commandments as we uh, should have been as we had made covenants with god to be and so when uh, we meet god uh, in the day of judgment we should expect that uh, he may kill us right just like jacob here scared of uh, esau who he had stolen his birthright and his his blessing and done all these things to him, and you know, you know, so it is. So here, Esau becomes the godlike figure. Here, he even calls him, "Your face is like God," is what he'll say here in thirty, in uh, in chapter thirty-three. So here's Esau as a godlike figure. Jacob, having wronged him, just as many of us have wronged God throughout our lives, and he's going to come and he's going to plead for mercy before his brother Esau. He Bows to the land, to the ground seven times. He says, um, and Jacob lifted up his eyes, verse 1, and looked, and behold, Esau came with him 400 men. So it is with God and his angels coming to judge the world and to destroy the world, right? And God came with 400 angels, you might as well say here. And Esau came with him 400 men, and he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel and into the two handmaids, And he put the handmaids and their children foremost, and Leah and their children thereafter, Rachel and Joseph hindermost. And he passed over before them, and he bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. So it will be in the day of judgments where we will fall before the Lord on our hands, on our knees, on our faces, and bow before the Lord and plead for his mercy, for his forgiveness, And what happens in verse four, just like the prodigal son in the New Testament, right? And God here, here's Esau as the the godlike figure here in this story. God runs to meet him and embraces him and falls on his neck and kisses him and they wept together. And so will it be with many of us in the day of judgment when we'll fall on our knees before the great God of heaven and earth. Plead for mercy for our forgiveness, and he will raise us up upon our feet. He will embrace you. He will kiss you. He will welcome you into his kingdom. I testify of the mighty, wonderful uh, doctrines and theology that we have just looked at in this lesson today. What a great story this is a prodigal son type of story in the Old Testament. Jesus will teach a similar story in the New Testament. And so is the character of God. May we take advantage of that opportunity. May we take advantage of those blessings. May we exercise our faith in God and repent of our sins so that uh, he will be able to forgive us and kiss us and embrace us as the story teaches here. For those of you who are not yet part of God's kingdom upon the earth in preparation for God's kingdom in heaven, We invite you with all the love of Jesus Christ to embrace him, to come unto him, to come unto his his church and his kingdom and his gospel upon the earth. Forsake your sins, repent, exercise faith. We will put in the the descriptions video a, a, a link. Reach out to the missionaries through that link. Let them know you're ready to embrace Jesus Christ. You're ready to honor him and keep his commandments, to repent of your sins to enter into his kingdom upon the earth as one of his sons or daughters, to take upon yourselves the name of Jesus Christ, to become a Christian. God then will then, as he did here with Jacob, he'll take that Christian name of yours. He'll even add an additional name, that of a saint, a Latter-day Saint, a saint living in the last days prior to Jesus Christ coming. Those blessings can be yours. You have to reach out. You have to take advantage of those opportunities and embrace it and let God bless you. See if he will not bless you with more joy and happiness in your life than you've had up until now. He will set you on the right path. The the iron rod that leads back into his holy presence in the celestial kingdom on high. For those of you who've found inactivity in the church, you remember in your heart how you once felt as a faithful, active member of his church. So we welcome you with wide open arms to come back. Come back unto him who giveth you life. Come back and drink from the waters of life freely. He will bless you. He will lift you up. He will embrace you. He will kiss you. He will welcome you back into his kingdom. Take advantage of that opportunity in your lives we testify of the truthfulness of these things this day and we love you and we pray for you every day and we um, leave our witness with you in the name of Jesus Christ amen